Hear the familiar conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus where Jesus tells him that he must be born again. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the third chapter. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. By six o'clock in the evening on Good Friday, Jesus died. Something had changed and changed radically. The theologian N.T. Wright wrote this, something happened with the actual world of space, time, and matter, as a result of which everything is different. During Lent this year, we will explore the power of the cross that radically changes us and through us seeks to radically change the world in which we live. This week, we recognize the power of the cross to reveal our true inheritance And in that, find a joy that surpasses all of our current and future struggles. Now, Peter wrote this letter from Rome to mixed congregations of Jewish and Gentile Christians with the purpose to encourage his readers to grow in their trust in God as well as their obedience to Him throughout their lives, but especially to do this in times of suffering. Now, this is the inheritance. Peter writes, according to its great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I read that and I wonder to myself and think about all the times in my life where I wish I could have had a do-over. Just an opportunity to try again. Can we just reset it? I grew up in a video gaming world where you could just start over. Wouldn't that be nice some days if we could just backtrack something that we had said or done or even thought? So many times in life we wish we could have a do-over. And spiritually speaking, that is exactly what God gives us with His grace. Forgiveness is another chance. Faith and the moment that we are born again begins a lifestyle of spiritual do-overs. While being born again is... A one-time moment when we receive Jesus and the Holy Spirit awakens our heart to be able to capture and hold on to faith and trust in God's promises. We also have a hope that is certain and not yet in a fully revealed 
and realized future. Now there's a living hope that lives today. Not just a hope that one day things will be put right, but a hope that impacts our words, our actions, our motivations, our attitudes, our whole selves today. This living hope was so evident as Pastor Arp and I had a chance to travel to Honduras last weekend and and partner together with other churches from the United States along with some churches down in Honduras growing the Lutheran church there. This living hope was evident there, especially in the vibrancy of the properties and the faces of the churches in Honduras. There, this living hope was brought about in real-world changes that were clear to see. How incredible our inheritance is. Peter writes, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Imperishable. It's really hard to wrap my head around the idea that there could be something that just does not wear out, decay, or break down. I have lifetime brakes on my car, which I know I will have to replace. It doesn't make any sense. Things that have lifetime guarantees in this world will ultimately perish, fade, and become defiled. Perishable also makes me think about getting older. You know, once we pass a certain age, our bodies are fully grown, and suddenly we only age and break down. Now we can set resolutions to eat healthy, reduce or cut out drinking, quit smoking, We can exercise, moisturize, and get enough shut-eyes, but still our bodies will break down, wear out, and give up. In all reality, the perishing of our bodies probably starts at birth. Or God's Word actually tells us it starts at conception as we are born sinful. But our inheritance... That is imperishable. Our inheritance will be bodies that are fully mature yet without any negative consequence of age. When the New Testament talks about things that are imperishable, it really talks about just a few things. It talks about God, His Word, and our own resurrection bodies. They will never give out or wear out or break down undefiled. The world, our bodies, our hearts, and our minds are presently defiled by the presence of sin. Going to college, one of our dorm room's favorite movies was the movie Tombstone. Wyatt Earp and his best friend Doc Holliday, and Doc Holliday had this quote. The movie is filled with quotes. If you haven't seen it, Vicar, have you seen it yet? I've been telling you, you cannot pass Vicarage until you watch Tombstone. But one of the great lines that, uh, this isn't a spoiler, don't worry. One of the great lines from Doc Holliday is, I have not yet begun to defile myself. Where in reality, Doc Holliday is dying from tuberculosis the entire movie and constantly feeds his body things that just exacerbate that and make it worse. How many of us struggle with that same problem today? 
You know, we live lives that are impacted and infected with a terminal case of sin, and yet we still feed our minds and our bodies all kinds of worldly passions and influences. But yet an undefiled inheritance that we have in Christ is totally pure, totally perfect, totally complete, that we will be without sin, and the implications are nearly limitless as to how that will impact our reality and our relationships. Can you imagine a reality free from sin? No brokenness. Can you imagine relationships completely sin-free? without betrayal or hurt or comparisons or jealousy, only trust and honor and respect, perfect love, undefiled, and unfading. Now think back to the oldest photo albums that you have and look through them, and those that are in color, at least once were in color, are now faded and almost monochromatic. Or perhaps one of my favorite movies, Back to the Future, Marty has this photograph of his family where the family members, including himself, slowly start to fade. And when things slowly start to fade, it's just inevitable before they disappear entirely. My college roommate had parents that were fairly wealthy. Every time they would come to town, they would take us out to dinner, and it was fantastic because we wouldn't go to like the middle-of-the-road restaurants or fast food restaurants. We would shoot for the moon, and we could eat whatever we wanted, and it was absolutely fabulous. I loved my roommate's parents. But one day, my roommate came into the room just dejected and crestfallen, and I asked him, I said, Mark, what's, what's wrong? And he said, my parents just bought a boat. It's a really big boat. I'm afraid they're spending my inheritance. (laughs) You see, sometimes these earthly inheritances, they can be used up and spent and they can disappear. But our inheritance is unfading. It will have no end. It will never disappear, nor will it even reduce or diminish one bit. It will be just as intense on day one of new creation as it will be 10,000 years into eternity. Just as intense, if we liberally and generously share it with the world, we will have every bit as much. And kept in heaven for you. Kept here means both kept from escaping and protected from attack. God is preserving believers from escaping out of His kingdom, and He is protecting us from external attack. And I love this part, is Peter makes a switch from talking about us to you. But this inheritance has been kept for you. Sometimes perhaps we're guilty of generalizing God's love, but Peter in this substance takes this and makes it intimately personal to his hearers, to you. That this inheritance God is keeping safe for you. Now this inheritance, inside of us, it creates this great joy regardless of our circumstances. Peter writes this, 
In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Now these various trials are results of the brokenness in this world. Paul in Romans 8 says that these present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed. Therefore, we can even rejoice even in our suffering. And this suffering is for a little while. Now, admittedly, that's hard to hear if you're in the middle of the suffering. It's almost as if you need to trust in this promise from God that suffering is temporary before the suffering hits to make it easier to trust and believe when it does. In the recovery world, there's a great saying that says, this too shall pass. If you find yourself in circumstances that are difficult, that are unbearable, this too will pass. This is not forever. This is temporary. Knowing ahead that the suffering is temporary allows us to be more comfortable in it to know that God is sovereign and working in the midst of it, using all things to the good of those who love Him. And this temporary aspect of our suffering stands in stark contrast to our inheritance that will never pass away. It allows us to rejoice, to experience joy over and over and over again, a joy that washes over us even in the midst of various troubles of all kinds. You see, we are complicated people, capable of complicated feelings and experiences, that we can experience things like grief and joy at the same time. We see that in every funeral, don't we? Every funeral of a believer who, who dies in the faith, we grieve and mourn their loss for this present moment, but we have joy in knowing that they are resting with Jesus today, and that one day when Jesus comes back, we will not only see Jesus face to face, but we'll see our loved ones face to face as well, and that brings us joy while we are grieving. If you're a part of social media at all, if you're not, congratulations. <laughs> but if you are, no doubt you've seen the tag, hashtag blessed. It's a tag that's used to identify cheerful, perfect-looking, social media, perfect-filtered experiences, right? Like, look at my amazing life, my beautiful wife, my, my perfect, smart, athletic children. Look at us on our vacation that you could only dream to encounter someday while I eat food that is picture perfect, worthy of an art gallery. Hashtag blessed. In reality, as people who experience grief in the midst of various troubles, we can say this. I'm really struggling. My health is failing. My relationships are less than perfect. My job is a dead end. All my debt has made me forget the definition of vacation, but I am loved by God. I have daily bread that is promised to me every single day of my life. I have a future that's secure with God, and I have a role in bringing His kingdom to come. Hashtag rejoicing. 
Peter writes that we would rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, as he says, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. See, joy is not dependent on where you live, whether that's central Florida or the poverty of Honduras. Remember, I told you the, the joy reflected in this new life, in this living hope in Honduras that was plain to see. We visited a church that was owned or that was placed in the gang-owned street. The street was full of gray from concrete, dirt from brown dirt, and matching hopelessness and despair. <coughs> but we walk through the doors of the church, through the gate, and you see spotless clean floors, vibrant colors, healthy plants, bright shining faces, smiling with laughter, speaking dreams of what is to come, hope for the future, joy for today, songs of praise, the Word of God, sacraments. You see, the kingdom of God was near to them. They recognized the hope and the joy that they have in their new life. What brings you joy? We took some time and asked some people this question this week. For me personally, seeing the faith of those in Honduras who are building up the kingdom of God, that brought me joy. As I asked around others, one individual said, the preaching and teaching here that helps keep my identity firmly rooted in Christ, that brings me joy. Another said, it's the love that I experience when I come into St. Luke's. Another individual who attended the men's retreat just a few weeks ago, said that he experienced joy in watching the men serve who were working in the kitchen or those who were chopping wood for the fires later. The deeper conversations that happened around that fire brought him joy. See, some have joy by serving others or by hosting, creating spaces for family and friends to gather together and talk about their faith. One person expressed joy in helping guide somebody to a place of restoration and healing this week. Another individual, one of our elders, shared that distributing communion brings him joy because he recognizes and realizes that in that moment, he is holding in his hands Jesus. And that brings him joy. And as I heard these stories shared with me this week, I couldn't help but connect them to our marks of a disciple, you know, a life of freedom, that identity that we have firmly rooted in Christ, a life of joy, the celebration of worship that we come together and encounter Jesus Christ Himself, this life of sacrifice where we give freely of ourselves and what God has given to us to build up his kingdom and a life of renewal, this life of transformation and healing that he brings. How do we encounter more and more joy in our life? We dive into this thing called discipleship. And how do we do that in this place and in this time? We gather together for worship just like you have today. We connect together with spiritual formation as we connect with one another outside of this place. We engage our faith through community connections, bringing our faith out into this world. And as we do that, God transforms us and gives us transformed lives that encounter joy.
and rejoicing regardless of our circumstances. And may this bring you peace and joy that surpasses all understanding. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. This morning, our weekly awakening question is this. Use this question to lead and guide your faith conversations this week. How will others see your joy of being born again? How will others see your joy of being born again? Let that be a conversation as you go about your week this week.